I've got Dustin Ashton here today to discuss Army Design Methodology. Hello, Dustin. Hey, James. How are you doing today? I'm great. You are the first advanced course instructor I've had come participate in the podcast movement. Well, I'm absolutely delighted to be here, sir. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about you, your background, where you're coming from? Yeah, okay. Um, well, I'm, I'm a really young guy. Yeah. <laughs> James is looking at me with my gray beard and everything going, no, you're not a young guy. Anyway, I spent 25 years in the United States Air Force, as a, uh, and I was a pilot at that time. But I've, I've always been uh, extremely interested and captivated with education. And so instead of, like, you know, taking an airline pilot type of career path, I came down the education path, and it has led me. Uh, I retired from the Air Force in 2010. I first worked here at Fort Leavenworth at the uh, Command and General Staff College in uh, Department of Joint Interagency, and I can't even remember the rest of those things. The JMO. <laughs> yeah, that department uh, for a couple of years, and then I taught knowledge management of all things for a year or so, and then I came over here, and I've been uh, teaching the advanced course at AMSC for approximately five years now. Now, Army Design Methodology, how is this relevant to leadership, leader development, or how we influence others and or improve the organization? Well, thank you for asking. That's a great question, sir. The way I look at it now is that, okay, uh, we're going to go back in a minute and we're going to talk about the, the types of problems that leaders are faced with, either being uh, well-structured problems, medium-structured, or ill-structured problems. So Arvin Design Methodology, or ADM if we can just call it that for ease, yeah. is a way to approach problem solving. It is. It is kind of a – it's a way to approach problem solving. But you'll see when we get talking about design some more that when the word solving might actually be too strong of a word. It's a way to approach problems issues actually help it's going to help us understand really complex things that are going on out there in the world or complex issues what we're really looking to do here is start a dialogue between a leader and a team and to get a, a shared understanding of the environment what's going on out in the environment and how how we might approach changing it if you were speaking, let's say, to your grandmother on the street, she says, Dustin, what is Army Design Methodology? How would you explain it to the layperson, just in a nutshell, to where anybody could understand what it is? Well, Grandma, I think Army Design Methodology is a way to approach a complex issue. If you've got some uh, something really hard that you're trying, that, that you just don't know what to do about it, Let's say you and Grandpa were having marriage problems, right? And it, but you really didn't know what it was about. And it, see, you you could sit down with a counselor and Grandpa, <laughs> and maybe maybe you guys could could sort of figure out at least an approach. Uh, uh, it's a way that you could understand where you're coming from. It'll help you to visualize the the issue as it stands out there and then uh, help you to describe it also. Okay. So that, so that you at least have a way forward that has, perhaps has the most probability of working well for you. How do leaders use this now 
out in the real world, in the Army? Well, uh, just like we're talking about, the, it, the issues that the Army is facing right now, the big issues, are, are all very, very difficult. So l- let's call it the, the bun- or gun- guns and bullets portion of the Army would be using it in order to figure out how, how they're going to uh, wage their war or coordinate their attacks or uh, how, how they're going to, what they're going to do in Afghanistan, for example. Okay, that's a big, messy problem, isn't it? It is. Yes. Okay, so when we look at the profession of arms side of the Army, then, is Army design methodology something that's employed at just the strategic level of war, or is it also used at operational and tactical level? I'd say it's definitely more of a strategic uh, type of tool. However, um, another thing that I've discovered about Army design methodology is its pure simplicity. You can actually use it for practically any problem that you run into. Is it something that requires a team or multiple people to use, or can I use ADM by myself in a vacuum in, in trying to better understand an environment or an issue? Yeah. That's a good question too, James. I uh, think that you can use that. You could do it by yourself. It's not designed that way, though. It would be. It's much, much better. It'll be a much more effective tool if you use it with a a team of folks. Let's say five, ten at the most. Again, I mentioned before, well-structured problems and medium-structured problems, those, those are things that, that perhaps are a little bit easier to solve. Where the, well-structured, the problem is self-evident, and a medium-structured, professionals can easily agree on the structure of the problem. Those types of things, you would be using the Army problem-solving process or uh, perhaps then putting it into... Uh, the military decision-making process in order to find uh, solutions for that. But when we have an ill-structured problem, and what we're talking about when we get to ill-structured are things where professionals have difficulty agreeing on the problem structure and will have a hard time agreeing on even what uh, hypothesis to use. You don't, you don't know how you're going to approach it. You don't know how you're going to solve it. You don't even know necessarily what what the end state of it uh, will be and or if you can get there. I like the way that former TRADOC Commander General Perkins put it when he talked about this concept of complicated versus complex. Yes. So just because something is well-structured or there's a knowable solution doesn't necessarily mean it's easy. He used the analogy of a pocket watch. Think of the old-time mm-hmm. pocket watch that the train conductor had in the 1800s. Yes. And it falls on the ground, and all the gears and springs fall out. And now you've got a current state, broken pocket watch, desired end state, a functioning pocket watch. There is a knowable solution, given enough time you could figure it out it'd be a difficult task. It's comp- it's complicated, complicated, correct? Versus complex, where there, where it's unknown, unknowable, and constantly changing. When we're talking about populations, talking about try, there's a reason why we can't predict the weather a year from now. It is is true complexity. Are there tools that we can use to try to try to understand that or to make better decisions? And he talked about that in pitching the Army's new operation concept went in a complex world. And, and really, he wanted to describe what is what is complex. Yeah, that unknown, unknowable, constantly changing. So when we look at ill-structured problems, is, is that the same as, as complex? 
I think we're definitely uh, walking along the same path when we're talking about that. Okay. Uh, complex with ill-structured, definitely hand-in-hand. Hand. And I think that that really is what we what what army design methodology is designed to do is help us leaders and teams of professionals to help us to cope with those situations that are very ambiguous that uh, we just can't find any structure to it and uh, at least figuring out a way forward give us it gives us something productive to do at least in the meantime how's that and what'll be the next the next step in discussing this topic well, I think the next step is that uh, there's just a few key words that you're going to hear a lot, I think, when you're talking Army design methodology. One, one of the key words is conceptual. We want to always stay really in the, in the conceptual realm. That's hard for a lot of people to do, especially people who like to do concrete planning and, and have things be known. So... So again, we're, we're talking about an ambiguous type of thing. We're talking about maintaining a certain level of uh, uh, conceptualness in it. You're going to find, hopefully, this is what you're going to find, is that you're using a, a, a lot of words, uh, indefinite words, things like maybe or perhaps or might and, and other descriptive words like imagine you know, what do you perceive or what if this happens, things like that. We should be kind of operating out there in, in the fluff a little bit, so to speak. Okay, so when you say conceptual, then that'd be vice, detailed, linear. Right. D- detailed planning. Okay, so we're the conceptual phase, it's a lot of ideas, brainstorming, throwing spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks kind of yes. stuff. And we're, for some people, that can be uncomfortable. Yes. Yes, for a great many people, it is uncomfortable. In order to win in a complex world, as General Perkins uh, has suggested, we need to get people to be much more comfortable in operating in, in this realm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this needs to really permeate, I think, throughout the entire Army. It can do nothing but help, help us, James, with uh, some of the serious problems that we're facing out there. To get back to some of the other, some of the other words, uh, you know, we're going to be challenging our assumptions. We hear that all the time, too. But uh, but this is going to be really, really true here. Is that it, you got to be really careful about any assumptions that you make. We're going to be uh, concentrating on creating a shared understanding. We're going to be doing something that, well, you and I, we happen to be talking about uh, this a while ago. Is going between divergent and convergent thinking, uh, or you might call it uh, creative and critical thinking, where to where we want to uh, really crunch down on an issue in, until we get kind of to what we'll call the sweet spot. There. And let's clarify then what the difference between divergent and convergent. In the divergent stage, a diverging approach is going to be kind of red teaming or what ifing or have you considered this well yeah maybe but there's also this is that uh, I, I i like to think of it as more the on the creative side correct divergent or or going going away from the center yeah this reminds me of oh also that time where this and this happened and maybe there's a parallel or there's a connection here between when that and that happened or 
Right. Versus converging. And now we're bringing it together. We're trying to hone in on the fine points and the, and the details. Right. Okay. Yeah. And in, in convergent, I roughly would equate to, uh, to critical thinking, if you will. Where diverging is more of the creative part. Correct. Okay. Correct. And what, what we want this to be, though, it really, okay, this, this isn't something where a leader comes in and says, hey, team, have I got a surprise for you? You know, he, here's a great issue for you to work on. Hey, you know, I brought you in this little issue, you know, world hunger. Here you go. Bam. Uh, solve it. Uh, you know, come back to me with uh, PowerPoint slides uh, in a couple days, right? Yeah, run it, run it through a decision and, matrix and show me your course of yeah. action. And, and, and leader runs out of the room, goes back to get back to his office and props up his feet and starts drinking coffee and says, hey, you know, I did that really well, didn't I? No, that's, that's not what it's about. It's, it's about leader coming in the room, grabbing a dry erase marker, <laughs> go into the whiteboard with you and let's let's nub this out let, let's work together let's we're gonna all talk about this and we're gonna we're gonna really crank out some stuff so now. a good leader is gonna have a facilitated role in in this in an army design methodology environment a good leader will be there with the team on the team a member of the team affirmative how do i know though when a situation calls for adm versus just running through a deck mat I think that yeah, it just goes back to the type of problem that, that you have or the type of issue that you're facing. But sometimes I just intuitively feel like I, I know what the issue is. Well, you're, this is where we got to be careful now, too. Okay, so, yeah, you, you're definitely r- running this along a fine line here. It's going to be hard to tell, all right? You can always try one, and then uh, if it doesn't work, try the other. But I, I would I would I would recommend my personally start at the higher level because it's not going to hurt it's not going to hurt to run something through Army Design methodology it'll never hurt to do that it can only help and and then that would help to guide your uh, more detailed planning later on down the road as you guys teach ADM in the advanced course the scenario I think that you guys use is managing talent is it or how do we how do we manage talent in the army civilian workforce well not quite it, it's how should the army shape the future civilian workforce for the army of 2040 and then we ask each team to look at it through one of four lenses so i might not be able to remember all four of them right now but one of the, one of those is talent management one is leader development one is uh, supervisor employee engagement, and the fourth one I always forget because nobody ever chooses it. Okay. Life cycle management. That's it. Life cycle management. Yeah. But, so you're supposed to look at that question that I asked through one of those four lenses. Okay. And going back to <clears throat> my premise of having an intuitive solution for a problem. So let's say I was assigned or I decided to tackle talent management. I'll tell you the problem right now, USA Jobs. We fix that, we get that straight, then we fix our talent management issue. There you go, boss, done. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I would say that you need to take a, a bigger, a larger view of the system. I can't be the first one, though, to have suggested an intuitive. Yeah, absolutely. You would not be the first one to, to think that one 
one piece of, 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 a, of a puzzle or one piece of a system is, is what, what the issue is. Thank you for leading me along this line because, yeah, we do need to talk about systems thinking if we're talking about Army uh, design methodology. And so, uh, you know, if you think of the simplest system that there is, okay, you have, there's an input into the system, there's the system itself that's, that's inside a box, if you will, but, but the box is never a closed box, it, it, it's permeated, right? So things can get in and out of that system, also that you, maybe you're not accounting for, but, and then there's an output, and then there's some sort of feedback loop back to the back to the input. So that that's a very simple system. But when and what we're thinking, what we are dealing with here are systems of systems, and then looking at how how the various systems affect each other. So it, you know you can think of one of the easiest ways to think about it is like with the human body. All right, you have a circulatory system. Lose your heart and your arteries and your veins and all that kind of stuff. And you have a nervous system with your brain and your nerves and all that kind of stuff. But but then how do the how does one affect the other? Really, neither can live without the other one, right? But the effects that they have on each other can be can be uh, uh, tremendous. So how much of ADM is just trying to identify the systems in a given situation or given environment well that that's really that's really the first part of it see and we haven't we've been talking all this time and we haven't we haven't even cracked open army design methodology at all yet but we're almost there can you believe it how much of it is just uh identifying the systems probably all on the top portion or the in the environmental frame is really where we're talking about the systems most of all. Okay, so you mentioned then we haven't even scratched the surface yet of what Army Design Methodology really is, and we've been yammering on here for 20 minutes. All right, so, so what is it then? What is the meat and potatoes of ADM? Well, I'm so glad you asked, James. I'm, I can tell you why. <laughs> and I'll tell you what. I love Army Design Methodology. This, this is a great thing, I'm telling you. And it, it's so simple here that you can condense it down into one one small slide and you can just get a uh, on a whiteboard or something you can draw it out very very simply okay and so let me let me try to describe it to you all right so imagine if you will a, a quad slide right or a quad chart so that you have a upper left corner upper right bottom left and bottom right corner yeah, as implied by the term quad chart. Okay, well, you know, <laughs> maybe I went a little too far into that, but but yeah, okay. So, but the but the whole top of this thing is is what we call the environmental frame. There's three frames, by the way, three frames in Army Design Methodology. The entire top floor of that is the environmental frame. The bottom left is what we call the problem frame. And then the bottom light, uh, right, excuse me, is called the operational approach frame. However, when you go back up to that top floor here and we're talking about the environmental frame, that is essentially split into two parts. And the two parts of that are called current state 
uh, is on the top left, and on the top right is the desired end state. Let me just start on these one piece at a time, if I can. So let's go to the top left and talk about current state. And this is really about what is going on in the environment. So you have, you know, your area or your environment, wherever you're operating in. And that can be described essentially as a system or a system of systems. So what is going on there? You, you find a way to describe that. Uh, the Army gives you some tools. Uh, some people might have heard of PMECPT or .milpf or METTC or SWAT. Or, I'm throwing out a bunch of acronyms right now, whatever. But any way that you can find of describing the current state. But what you're going to do with that current state is you're going to narrow it down and you're going to put that into what we call a graphic and a narrative. And by graphic, you mean I'm going to draw pretty pictures? Yes. How is that going to help? Is this going to be circles and arrows? It, it, can, be, it can be anything that you want it to be. Okay, so let's, this is, this is a way to tap into the creative side of yourself and it's going to help you to visualize. It, it's going to help your brain to make that, that transition over to, to a more visual uh, adaptation of what the operational environment uh, current state looks like. So, but what we have here then, okay, is the graphic and the narrative. The graphic, okay, it doesn't have to be, you know, just a silly little picture or something like that. But but what it must be is the two must support each other, the graphic and the narrative. So you should be able to put up the graphic, and it's pretty much self-evident what the narrative says. Or you should be able to read the narrative, and it pretty much perfectly describes what the graphic looks like. Okay. They they just have to describe each other. They they have to be supportive of each other. Well, if you get that picture right, it's worth a thousand words. Right? Yes, the picture is worth a thousand words. This is that's a great way of putting it. Usually, what do you see though, as far as graphics? As an advanced course instructor, you've seen a lot of examples. Just could you basically describe what you typically see that helps people? describe the current state? Yeah, usually it's some sort of a graphical representation of what uh, the the issue looks like of, uh, you know, maybe using word art or or, or various pictures of the way uh, things do. Oh, yeah, well, I guess one kind of pops into my brain about, uh, you know, if you, you're thinking of the, the current army and what the talent management system looks like you know so for example maybe it, it looks like a machine you can call it the talent management machine and it's got various uh, parts to it like a conveyor belt and uh, something that puts the things on the conveyor belt and somebody working on things on the conveyor belt you know something something like that that would be a visual representation okay and then um, the the other side of the environmental frame then is the desired end state, and this is very, very important word in that is is that word desired. This is not predicted. It's got nothing to do with a prediction 
of the future or a, a if we maintain exactly what we're doing right now then what's what's it going to look like 20 years down the road say something like that but this what this is is really your your true wish of the greatest future that you can think of uh, like a utopian future or the perfect world future that you're looking for. It's the state that you want it to be. So this is the army, for example, getting ev- getting all the smartest people out of all the universities all across the country. Agile, adaptive, critical, creative thinkers who can win in a complex world. Yes, the, the perfect people. And, and they automatically go, hey, I'm going to the army. I'm going to be an army civilian, right? Okay. So, so we've talked about a best case scenario, though. But our our own prejudices and biases are going to come into this, are they not? Unless we're yes. Unless I've got Dustin standing there with the ladder of inference poster. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So uh, the the best case scenario of what what you would want in in uh, as a solution to your issue. Okay. So so if you describe the current state. The best we can. And it's going to take multiple inputs from people because yep. everybody's going to have a different perspective. And yep. no one person's point of view is purely objective. And, and guess what? It's always changing too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But if you can actually nail down that desired end state, then you got something. Now, you know, I mentioned uh, an environmental frame, a, f- a framework. So, what you really want to do here is use the same environmental framework that you had on the current state and use that also on the desired end state because at this point then you're going to want to compare the two. And that's where we do our gap analysis at that point. Correct. So it's kind of like a gap analysis and what you're but what you're looking for here is to find obstacles, if you will, or find what is prohibiting you from getting from your current state to your desired end state. And that that would be actually more of an obstacle vice, vice a gap. It could be a gap, but it's something that's getting in the way of reaching your desired end state and what that does right there is that identifies your problem. Okay. Are the problem statements different that come out of ADM versus those that come out of the regular Army problem-solving process when we're dealing with well-structured problems? For instance, a yes. well-structured problem, uh, we to determine the best vehicle for our recruiting station. And given our criteria, it has to be American-made under a certain amount of money. And it's a pretty well-structured problem. Run it through a Decision matrix, come out with the best course of action. But I get it, like a one or two sentence problem statement. How, how do these problem statements manifest after, after a session of ADM? Number one is with Army design methodology, we're not going to have a problem statement. We what, we, what we have is a problem narrative, and, and which is different from a problem statement. How's a problem narrative different? That's what it is doing there. The narrative is describing what, what is preventing you from getting to the desired end state or, or therefore the, the obstacles. It's describing that in words. And then the graphic is going to be a graphic representation of whatever those 
uh, obstacles are. Okay. And, and what we do there is you, you call that, I mean, that essentially is the problem. Here's an issue with Army design methodologies that people, many, we're kind of hardwired and pre-programmed that we always think we know what the problem is mm-hmm. automatically. It's USA Jobs. Yeah, just like you were talking about. Yep, it's USA Jobs. That's the problem, right? Well, you've got to fight, 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 fight against yourself all the way through the environmental frame to keep from allowing your preconceived notions of what you think the problem is from entering your mind. If you're successful at doing that, the better off you're going to be in Army design because you have no clue what the problem is or what the problem might be. Remember I talk about conceptual words here. What the problem might be until you get down to this bottom left quadrant as I was talking about. Now we know what the problem might be. When I think of framing, I think of the context that we provided in. And I can actually be misleading or deceptive in how I frame, put it in a certain context. I I could, how I frame it could determine whether it's well-structured, medium-structured, or ill-structured as well. Uh, To use an example, in the immediate course, we use the the college problem. We've got college A, B, C, D, and E, which each one's different, which college should we send our kid to? And if the if you frame the problem statement such as, oh, well, to determine the cheapest college, to determine the best college to, to send our kid to, then it's pretty easy to run that through decision matrix given a set of criteria. But if we were to frame it in a way of the best learning institution to develop juniors' influential abilities to be a world leader and create world peace and radically reduce world hunger. It, how I frame it, now I've just made it ill-structured at that point. I, I don't know. It's unknowable what influences a particular college is going to have that would push a person in that direction. A point I try to make with my students, too, is when we start dealing with populations and people, it, it's I can't think of a case where it's still well-structured. We're automatically medium-structured, if not always in an ill-structured or complex situation when we're talking about trying to influence people and populations. Would you agree? I totally agree with you on that, that uh, any time you're dealing with people, it's going to be complex. Yes, sir. Moving to the uh, the fourth quadrant in the lower right, yes. the operational approach. So now, now we're going to find out how we can get from the current state to our desired end state or in other words, how are we going to get over, under, around, through, whatever? How are we going to deal with that obstacle that's keeping us from getting from the current state to the desired end state? Okay. And you're going to describe this once again with a graphic and a narrative. So you're going to have a narrative that will describe saying, okay, in order to get from where we are today to where we want to be in the future, this is what we're going to do, okay? And then we're going to have a graphic that uh, that represents that. After that, am I done? Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, almost, Jim. James. <laughs> I don't call you Jim. That, 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 that doesn't work, does it? Call me, call me whatever you want. <laughs> okay. Mr. Cameron, sir, The uh, yeah, you are done with army design methodology however comma now all you have is an operational approach but this is what essentially feeds your problem solving process so now you have 
things like a commander's intent, you might call it if you're military-ish, <laughs> or a, a uh, operational approach, or a way forward, or you have some things that are going to help your staff now do some more detailed planning on what you have come up with conceptually. Okay, so if I'm on a military staff, is Army Design Methodology going to precede MDMP? That is correct. Or does it sometimes happen in conjunction with MDMP? It should happen prior to it. Not, it's not required all the time, though, of course, because you, you could enter MDMP or the decision-making process based upon the uh, type of issue that you're dealing with. But if it is an ill-structured problem, you definitely should take the, the root of Army design methodology. Or if, uh, from the civilian side, we're looking at going into the Army problem-solving process, then so this should precede that to help us better understand the situation in its context before we start going into any sort of problem-solving methodologies. That is correct. Now, before we finish here, uh, talking about my favorite subject, Army design methodology, let me give you a, a, just a couple pointers about if you're going to go out there and, you know, you, now you're going to rush out and you're going to uh, say, hey, I want to do Army design. I'm going to be on a design team. Well, here's, here's some things. That's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I, I know that's what you're going to do. We're going we're gonna to start uh, solving the problems of the universe right after this. So, but if, if you want to participate on a design thing, some, some things that are useful for you to think about and consider as you go in is, is that you need to have some sort of comfort working with ambiguity. If you don't have that sort of comfort, you're not going to be very comfortable working on, on a design team. It's going to kind of drive you batty, right? Uh, you're going to want to keep an open mind. You want to discuss alternatives um, early. Always, as you're going through this, you want to be looking for relationships between things, things that are obvious or not obvious, especially among systems or systems of systems. Always thinking along the lines of how you're going to want to present this uh, graphically or pictorially. You can, you know, even use simple ways or or start simple and then make it more uh, complicated as time goes on. And uh, you you don't want to keep questions to yourself as uh, you're working on a design team. Always looking to reevaluate the environment. As time goes on, be willing to slow down and think as you're working on this. And for more information on Army Design Methodology, make sure you reference ATP 5-0.1 Army Design Methodology, published by the United States Army in July of 2015.